0: Hey everybody, welcome to Marcy Unplugged. Welcome to season five, bitches. I just wanted to always say that in the middle of the show because I could. Um, this season, as I said, we're changing it up. We're bringing in people from all over. We've got entrepreneurs, we've got a couple of celebrities lined up as well. So this year is going to be quite fun. Continuing on the trend of badasses that I'm bringing you to the show. Uh, we got my good friend, my brother from another mother, Chris Richards, joining us in from the UK. Chris, glad to have you here, man
1: hey man glad to be here
0: oh god i am so completely out of it but it's gonna be a fun show (laughs) he's a hyper intelligent motherfucker like me in fact it's kind of crazy because the first time we met each other we quickly looked at each other went oh fuck this motherfucker is intelligent not in a bad way it was one of those moments where we're like great they understand us we found our people now we can hate someone together it was more or less a mutual friendship right from the get-go i love this motherfucker from that point on real quick shout out to our sponsors This show is sponsored by, Chris, what's your website again? Is it myhypnocoach.co.uk?
1: It is myhypnocoach.co.uk.
0: Fucking nailed it. Sorry. Just like I totally forgot for a second. And we're also sponsored by storysellingemails.com. Go check those two sites out and get started today. Now, let's just get right to it. You are a crazy intelligent mofo. And the thing that you actually work with mostly is entrepreneurs that have that problem of hiding their own bullshit beneath, uh, beneath the surface, right?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of it that goes into it, and actually, I really loved that you jumped straight into the whole intelligence aspect straight away, uh, because one of the most important things um, I love working with, because it's you know smart people, is the feeling of isolation, the feeling of you know there's not enough people like me, I don't can't connect in a certain way. So when people are intelligent, even though there's some weird taboo that you can't really talk about it um without sounding arrogant it's like you can talk about having brown hair or blue eyes but you tell anyone you have a high iq and whoa you're arrogant um but it's 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 genetic you know it doesn't mean you know everything it doesn't mean you have intellect uh that is having lots of knowledge but it just means your brain works in a particular way and um one of the Things I love telling, uh, especially my very, very smart clients. Not that all my clients are not wonderful. Um, one thing I love telling them is that I love working with smart people, first of all, because they have the most baggage. Um, secondly, because I have to be clever with the way I work with them. I, I can't just go for that direct um, that direct assault, if you like, onto their, their issues and their problems because – you know, they see that stuff coming. They a lot of the time they can preempt uh, therapists and coaches, and consultants, and people who they hire to help them. But because they can preempt the approach that the person is using, it doesn't work, and they don't get the results they need.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can totally imagine that because I've done that so many times. It's always fun to fuck with people and go, "Yeah, no, you're very close to a breakthrough, even though you hope you're close <laughs> to a breakthrough, but they're really not." Now, something I really wanted to jump into that a lot of people really don't know, the reason why Chris works, the reason I wanted Chris on the show, and we both said, well, it was kind of one of those things where I think I asked him, but I didn't ask him, and then he told me, and then there's a whole hullabaloo of getting him here. <laughs> okay. Essentially, the reason being was the first time I met him, as we went down the intelligence path, was he was very quick to actually ass- ass- assess that you could think, you know. There's a lot of stuff that's hidden beneath the surface. Really but basically,
1: I, f- I find your bullshit really quickly. Yeah, um, I think was fun, the- it, was, it wasn't even
0: the thing I was lying to him. His whole thing was like, "Could you stop acting stupid for like five minutes, please?" I was like, "What do mm-hmm. you mean?" He's like, "Could you just not treat me like a simpleton?" I was like, "Good point. I'm sorry," because <laughs> I'm so used to dumbing it down. And so, as he said, called me out, and I was like, "Fair enough. He's one person I don't need to do that with." But one of the things I did want to get clear with is this idea of dissatisfaction for entrepreneurs. Mm. particularly. And it kind of comes into like, a, I know you have this high, why do high achievers fail thing that you've put together, which is amazing, we're gonna go through that in a minute. But it's this idea that I have of um, fuck, kind of what i was saying, basically, high intelligence, we just, we, we just get bored easily, like, really, really simply. Yeah. So like, how, how does one come ac- like, overcome that? Because that's something that's constant.
1: Yeah, so the first thing uh, I want to cover is that whole uh, dissatisfied element that you mentioned. fucking um, what I was
0: saying, but yeah, dissatisfaction n- and boredom.
1: Yeah, yeah, so actually I see those two as uh, fairly separate, although they do most often correlate. The dissatisfaction a lot of the time is done by what I call gap mentality, that is people who... Uh, know that they're capable of more they know they can do more they know they have this great destiny that's at their fingertips and if only they were to have that piece that missing piece of knowledge that missing piece of wisdom or that skill then just click in that last little bit and they'll be able to bring this person to life they'll be able to fulfill their destiny and their potential Um, And until they do, they, as you say, they feel dissatisfied. They feel um, they feel they're missing a large chunk of who they are. They they definitely don't feel they're living up to potential. They uh, it causes some secondary uh, shame is a weird word because people tend to uh, flinch away from it. But there is an element of incompleteness in uh, a lot of very, very smart people where they almost, they feel ashamed of that incompleteness. They don't want to show people. they Because they, after all, they are so great and wonderful and, and smart and capable and all these great things, uh, which they are. Um, but that feeling of dissatisfaction with their own... Uh, ability to live up to their own mentality of what their potential is that can cause all kinds of ripple effects and as you mentioned earlier one of the key things I do is get right to the center to that core root problem that's branching out in so many different ways because most people don't do that most people deal with the branches and not the root the other thing about the losing focus by the way does that make sense
0: yeah entirely
1: yeah. Um, the other thing, losing focus and getting bored. <laughs> um, this is by far one of the most favourite subjects uh, in entrepreneurship in general, in coach uh, coaches, consultants, and that is people's inability to stick with one thing uh, until successful. You know the old the old acronym of focus: focus on focus on one thing until successful. Or something ridiculous yeah, like that.
0: Focus on what was it? No, focus is
1: finish one course. Ah, yeah, yeah. Successful. One course until successful. Follow one course until successful. That's, That's it. The one. Um, yeah, it's all well, personal development. Love their acronyms, don't they? Yep. Uh, it's almost as much as the military does. Um, but yeah, focus on one thing until successful. Well, there's also another quote that I love hearing people spout, which is the Einstein quote about insanity. Yep. Which is,
0: uh, I know course. you know this. Oh, I don't it's want to you well, on the spot, easy. but I n- no, no, no. You know he's getting me right after the gym, by the way. Just so everyone knows, like I'm completely frazzled, so this is going to be interesting. It's essentially doing the same thing over and over again, expecting another result is the definition. Perfect.
1: Of the yeah, 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 yep, yeah. Absolutely. Fuck on. you,
0: man. I got it. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> I knew, I knew you would. I knew you would. I'm not trying to catch you out. By the way, um, this
0: is, just so you guys know, he's basically my brother. So we like we will talk shit to each <laughs> other all the
1: time. Oh, it's absolutely. All
0: said, it's all said in love, though.
1: Oh, without <laughs> doubt. Yeah, so, um, yeah, follow one, uh, sorry, doing one thing. So on one hand, you've got follow one course until successful, and everyone pings that as, like, really good sound advice, which it is. And on the other, it's like you do the same thing over and over and expect a different result, then you're an idiot um, or or you're insane. I like, well, actually, no, not in business, because if you do something and you've um, validated your offer or you've created a, a business structure or some sort of strategy, or you've got a handle on the content that you're putting out, it actually takes at least three to six months for someone who's seeing your content, seeing your stuff, to decide to become a customer. So every time you change, what you're doing is you're doing yourself out of business. Because every time you change, you go, oh, that's not working because it took longer than a month. Um, it's like, no, just be more consistent. Follow one course. Just do the same thing. And from what I've seen in many of my, especially the coaches in my, in my, um, in my practice, in my uh, business, especially the coaches, they will come up with this great numer- uh, uh, acronym or numeric or something. They'll, they'll come up with this great thing. And it will be a great thing. But then a week later, they've come out with another great thing. And a week later, because they're smart and they're capable and they're highly knowledgeable, they've come out with yet another great thing. Um, and they'll keep doing this until eventually so they say like, Hey guys, what do you know me for? And there's just this sage that rolls past slowly. Um, because no one has any idea what they, what you stand for because what you stood for changed every week. Uh, And it's one of the most important things about building a business, about building a brand, you know, that consistency, right? But, yeah, I think your question was, how do you keep that focus? Is that right? Yep. I don't just want to turn this into a a, a monologue, that's all. Um, all all It's always always better if it's a bit more communicative. Um, Yeah, so how do you keep that? Well, the first thing with any kind of uh, follow-through and consistency, I I believe – is all about values it's all about because your values dictate your priorities and if you as, as you and i do if you value health and well-being both of the body the mind the spirit however you uh, define that um you know i'm not particularly religious you are and that's okay uh, i think you've spoken about that on previous shows um exactly right so whatever your definition of it is the, the mind-body-spirit, keeping that in a healthy alignment, keeping that uh, in t- up to its optimum as often as possible without any kind of guilt or shame if it does, it isn't optimum or isn't perfect or whatever, isn't the ideal. Um, it always comes down to your values and your uh, priorities because if you're doing anything based solely on willpower, that is that discipline, the inner discipline, which is hiked up so much you know, you're, you're disciplined to you know. Oh, what is it? It's, oh, there's some there's some real funny stuff that people say. Um, uh, feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, because it's willpower. Feel the fear and push through. Well, look, if your values aren't on the other side of that thing you're about to push through, you're not going to push through it. I'm it's gonna not going to happen. So? And you end up in huge pain. Absolutely. Oh, without a doubt. Well, you, the thing is, you're going to end up in huge pain anyway. And as my man uh, Kerwin Ray says, uh, he's, he's over in Australia. Um, please drop a link to him because he's absolutely phenomenal. Oh, he's I'm a great to get
0: him on the show, dude. I've known Kerwin for years. I just haven't yeah. reached out to him about getting on
1: the show yet. Great, great mentor of mine. I really love his stuff. I really love everything he does. But one of the biggest things he says is that um, really struck me is like trying to avoid pain is a recipe for pain. Anyone who tries to avoid being embarrassed, trying to avoid people hating on them, trying to avoid um, any level of pain is a recipe for pain because all you're going to do is you're not going to take the action that would would have actually got you the result. You're not going to follow through. You're going to hit that wall. You're going to feel the pain. Then you're going to stop and you're going to stay in that area of pain. What did I say about um, if you're in hell, keep going? Yep. It's uh, the same mentality. What's this
0: face? You should know who said that.
1: What I was, can't remember. I've, I've, I've got
0: it. That was it. it was said, yeah, it, there you well, go. Keep, well, keep walking forward. That was, that was Absolutely. Amazing. That was the thing apparently. All good and well. Now, I got a curiosity off of that. So I'm curious about one thing. So go you're for it, man. That point where like people actually say, push the roof, fight through it. Because I have thought through situations in the past, and you know this, because so we had long conversations about it. Yeah, very, very happen.
1: common. It's a very common strategy.
0: Yeah. It, yep. it does lead to burnout if you're not careful.
1: 100%. You won't do it for too long. But... Uh,
0: I mean, but what would you say would be the longest someone should be able to handle that in like our state of brain?
1: Um, From a neurology point of view, from a psychology point of view, it very much depends on the person. It's like putting someone into a stress position. Right. Um, a lot of, especially entrepreneurs, especially coaches in personal development, um, I mean, this goes for anyone, but the people who have grown up with chaotic or traumatic or even um, love-restricted lives, the, you know they didn't quite grow up in a particularly positive environment, they tend to be a little bit more thick-skinned. Not, not internally like on the deepest level they still have the shame and the guilt and the the worries that they're not good enough blah 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 but on the outside they can put up with a lot of pain you can you can flog them quite hard and they'll still keep coming um, I put myself in this category uh, a lot of people don't know this but I, I grew up in a, in a house you know split parents um, I won't go into details because it's not my story to tell I, that's my particular my personal belief um, but I grew up in a house where uh, there were you know, narcissistic behavior, there was domestic abuse, there was alcoholism, alcohol addiction, there was physical violence to both me and each other, there was um, racism. Man, you, you name it, and I probably grew up with it to a certain extent. Now, does that mean that I'm destined or broken in any way to, uh, you know, destined to become one something like that or broken in any way? No, of course not. It, but it does mean that when I joined the when I joined the army at 16 years old, it wasn't even a culture shock for me, because that level of discipline, that level of do it or you're going to get beaten, it was kind of I'm not saying my parents beat me, but you get the idea that that level of kind of do it or you're going to get hit, that was normal. Like it's like <laughs> doesn't everybody have that? You know, so the amount of pain that someone can deal with and push through using blunt willpower differs person to person. Um, you can't really objectively measure that. Uh, and it is very much, again, it goes towards how much do they want it? How much do they, cause if you don't really want it, you can have the strongest person in the world mentally and emotionally. They're still going to stop because they're like, well, I don't really want it that much anyway. So just let it go. Um, if, but, I think what you're saying is someone really, truly, truly wants something and they're of average to medium th- skin thickness. <sighs> you can't really call it, to be honest. You really can't. It depends on the thing. It's got too many factors involved.
0: That's true. I, reckon I, believe so, but I have this other theory, which is in the sense of... Um, I believe that if you're going to burn the candle at both ends, you shouldn't do it for longer than 72 hours. Okay. And my, my theory to this is pretty much... Simple if you're taking 72 hours of like hardcore non stop work, I'm talking like where you're pulling all night to sleeping two hours a night, hmm. right? Yep. Really burn the candle at both ends. I then suggest once you finish that cycle, you take two full days off no work, no nothing, socialize if you want to, but go into nature, spend time with like animals, whatever it is, just enjoy that time to regain. The reason being, in my opinion at least, and from being in the, uh, being in the situation, time recording this, I find that when I actually step away fully and don't work for those two days, my brain comes back right back to where it needs to be. It snaps back to its natural position of just excellence.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, th- things like um, I call them emotional weakeners. Um, things like lack of sleep, lack of food. You know, hungry, lack of food, lack of sleep. Um, feeling lonely or isolated can be an emotional weaker that is weaken your ability to cope with the negative emotions or the not the so positive ones um i don't really believe in negative emotions that so much as they're they're all you know grist for the meal and they're all stuff to think about and stuff to monitor and process so there isn't really any bad emotions i don't believe but there are ones that make us feel quite bad uh, and that, and that's okay. That's all right. You just process that and you deal with why is it making you feel bad. But as for the advice, I think it's I think it's good advice. Um, I think it will, again, differ person to person. Because especially if you get a particularly highly driven uh, consultant, let's say someone who is, you know, maybe even working with someone else and they don't have the capacity to take two days off, uh, but they have to get something done. Yes, there are times when you have to get your head down and just do the work. Other times you had to do that all nighter because you procrastinated all day and you spent your time on Facebook or triple checking a content post <laughs> to see about the engagement or thinking about, you know, a million things that you've got to do and not doing any of them. And so you waited until, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night before you even started doing work. Um, you know, and that's actually if you wait until 10, 11, 12, one, two, that's four hours work. You could have done that earlier. Um so sometimes burning the candle at both ends isn't actually needed uh if you have that focus and the consistency. Uh no I also but I also believe in working in this is just my personal preference. I believe in working in sprints. So yes, I'll have time off. I'll also make sure I as as often as I can, I'll have a good night's sleep. Um I'll take naps if I really need to. <laughs> like I'll just pull a quick uh, i'll actually schedule a, like a 30 minute nap um and go you know what i'm just going to block out some time and go and lay down for a bit um uh, if you need it take it and the biggest thing i think because this is very this is advice and you, you can't really advise a mass population because it is very dependent on their own particular circumstances i, I, I don't believe so It is, I think the only mass piece of advice I would say is listen to your body. If you are hungry, then eat. If you're (laughs) reaching for the food, but you're not actually hungry, then I'd argue you're not actually listening to your body. You're eating because you're bored or you're frustrated or um, or you're having trouble focusing, you know. So a lot of the time it comes back to like rule number one is always, 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 always self awareness be aware of yourself uh, adela if you work best in these you know two day hard sessions and then you take two days off then you have two day hard sessions look dude if that works for you that's awesome that's fine please look after your health um that may not work for everyone and especially the people as well who love what they do to such an extent that when they switch off they're not really switched off you know, I know a lot of people that when they're with their kids or when they're out in nature, they're still thinking about, you know, the latest funnel they have to build or the strategy that they're going to roll out. You know, when I when I go for a walk, because I'm so focused on the people I serve, I go for a walk. The moment my head is cleared, it automatically starts filling up with stuff I can give them. Like, it's just who I am. And I'm, I'm in a very, very blessed position where I can be truly who I am and give of exactly who I am. There's some people who aren't quite there yet, and that's okay. It takes time to really find that. It took me a long time.
0: Yeah, definitely. And there's something I did want to question you. You just kind of touched on it as well just a moment ago. Sure, man. There's this idea of challenge addiction. Uh-huh. And you know for a fact I'm one of those motherfuckers. Like, if there's a challenge in front of me, I'm most likely going to be like, yep, let's do it. I'm just like, you don't have to. go like, eh, whatever. Like, that, that's actually one of the reasons why I realized when I was still writing copy for people, um, I would actually, right at the end of my writing career, was the idea that I would start writing for people simply because I would, like, put things off until the very last minute. Not intentionally, at least consciously, but very unconsciously, because for me, I need the challenge, I need to feel something in order to do it, even if it was stressful. So, my question to you is uh, here is about challenge addiction, how would one, how, well, what is it in particular, and how would someone actually start to overcome that?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I want to bring people's attention to a fantastic YouTube video um, <laughs> called, uh, I think it's like Inside the Mind of a Master Procrastinator by Tim Urban, U, uh, U-R-B-A-N. Um, and I watched it and it's so right on the money that it's a TED talk and it's so right on the money that it's it's incredible. And he talks about this. He talks about, you know, people who leave things to the last possible minute. Um, I am one of these people as well. I've, I actually got a, a call with a coach once and, you know, I'm, I'm explaining to him. I'm like, look, I, I have this thing where I, I kind of like the rush of the deadline. I like having that kind of a the oh shit moment. Um, but at the same time, I know intellectually that's not good for me. Well, it doesn't matter because, you know, what you do will almost always be based on what is emotionally right for you, not what is intellectually right for you. This is how how people are constantly saying, I know what I should do, but I'm just not doing it, and I don't know why. I I, I know this is a silly fear to have, uh, or this is what I you know work with my clients on, but I can't get it right for me. Well, that's because you intellectually know the answer, but you don't emotionally embody the answer. It's not part of who you are. It's not part of your identity. And the, a large part of my work is about Realigning those beliefs, the values, and the identity, so that you don't have to push through anything because it's part of who you are. And if you need to leverage it out and and outsource, that's fine. But when it comes to waiting to the last minute, uh, specifically about challenge addiction, a lot of that again it comes a lot of the time from a background, uh, not always childhood, but quite common. It comes from a background of. Knowing that's where you are best, like knowing that because of your childhood or because of your background, you're best when your back is against the wall, and it's do or die. I have a lot of clients who have this. They, people who come to me and say that this is it, and they explain the exact same thing again and again and again. Luckily, there's a very proven and easy step by step way to get guide them out of that, doing that. Okay, but so what which would
0: that be? What will that look like?
1: Well, we can't go into all the detail here, but basically, um, let me just finish what I'm talking about here. Um, when they come to me with this thing, they, they're almost always, the cause of it is because they, uh, I, I oh, by the way, I always say one of my favourite quotes is, knowing the question is three-quarters of the answer. That's my all-time favourite quote. If you want to quote me ever, quote me on that. Knowing the problem knowing the problem is three-quarters of the answer. Um and it's actually, it's not even my quote. I stole it from my math teacher when I was like 10 or something.
0: Uh,
1: he, he said it once and I was like, right, I'm having that. Uh, because it works for almost everything. And I've d- d- uh, developed my life finding out as much as I can in many, many tools. And hypnosis is just one of them. Uh, you introduced me as a hypnotist. I'm actually a psychology coach. Hypnosis is just one of the tools I have at my disposal. Uh Uh, again, because I've developed my life towards finding the root cause, finding that one thing that's blocking everything, that one root that's branching out into different areas. Um, People who have grown up in a challenging life know that that's their comfort zone. That's their comfort area. They know they excel when they're being challenged. And in fact, people who are hyper-intelligent as well um, actually like that because it challenges their mind when day-to-day life tends not to. So it's like, well, if it, if it ticks, was it Tony Robbins says? If it ticks the certainty box, then if it ticks three boxes, then that's it, you, you're going to become addicted to it. Uh, and he has the six human needs. I think it's like certainty, well, it's going to tick that because you know exactly, you're certain that when you're in challenge, you're, you're going to be able to deal with it and you're going to have all these different things come to life inside of you and you're going to feel alive and passionate. You're going to have uncertainty because it's a challenge and comes with the territory you're gonna have significance because it reinforces your um ego or even to the point of narcissism um it, it reinforces that mentality of like yes i am clever thank you thank you for acknowledging it me um <laughs> it's like it sounds
0: like me every
1: day yeah basically it's me too screw it uh it's like but owning that is a very large portion of, of solving the problem <laughs> Uh, what else do you have it was, it's growth as well so already we've got like three or four different uh, ways that we tick the boxes and we haven't even gone through all six so really understanding that when you're in that pain position for some people this is anxiety this is depression it's still their known comfort area it's the place that when they're in that space comfort zone doesn't mean you are comfortable it just means that you're very aware and you're very certain of exactly what to expect. That's it. That's all comfort zone truly is. So when you're in that space, it could be for you or right? I. It's challenge. Um, and I have to be very careful of that. Uh, I, I one of the things that I do is I break down my tasks into smaller chunks so I can get that dopamine here of every single thing because I need that. I need to be running for some milestone and it ticks off the dopamine hit in my head, and I can keep going forward. If it's one mammoth task, then I'll tend to wait until the mammoth task gets so big, it's almost impossible. Whereas if it's small things, I'll be like, ah, fine, yeah, I might as well just do that. Ah, I might as well just do that. and ah, I might as well just do that. and ah, I might as well just do that, until eventually the whole bloody thing's done. Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: entirely. It actually makes complete sense. In the way that it's actually built out. Now... Something I did want to, again, very similar to like this. Uh, you sent me this really, really cool like document on like um, what high, why do high achievers fail. It's like a really cool uh, infographic.
1: And oh yeah, that that was that was just a, a draft one, but yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, <laughs> Final, send it over to me and we put it up. So well, send me the link. <laughs> it's ready, and I'll basically put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll do. Um, yeah, so like some you actually did mention upon that's quite helpful. I do want to like touch upon a little bit more in depth. Is this idea of like something to prove that actually stems from childhood. Yes. So like some of the factors that you and I discussed privately was this idea that what ends up happening to us, particularly, is intelligence is kind of like the response to it's a defense mechanism, um, in the way of dealing with world. So yeah. With that being said, how does someone say, for instance, very quickly, or even if they work with you, like something the you can start doing right away, get out this idea that they have something to prove because I know I do it whenever I write. It's like every time I sit down to write an ad or whatever it is, I feel like I have something to
1: prove that I can still do what I do. Yeah, I mean, this is one that is simple in theory, but in practice there's actually a few much deeper steps that you actually have to take the person through individually so they can discover the answer for themselves. If you just give them the answer, then it tends not to have the same impact. But I'll cover as much as I can. So there's something to prove. Usually revolves around parents. Um, it usually revolves around parents or friends, or you know something when you were growing up, or something that made such an impact on you. You felt the need to measure up. Now this could be you had what I, what's known as street what no I call it, it's known as three percent parenting. That is little Jimmy comes home from school one day with his grade card, his report card, and he says, look, mummy, look, daddy, I got 97% on my English test. And the parents say, oh, my God, Jimmy, that's wonderful. With all the love in the world, with all the desire to build Jimmy up, bless him, um, they say, let's sit down and work out where you could have got that last 3%. Let's just sit down. And this goes back to our uh, part of your brain, which is uh, solely focused at finding the threat. If you're in a room with lots of great things, but there's one hungry lion, you're not going to worry about the great things. You're only going to focus on the lion, as you should, because there's a bloody lion in the room. Um, yeah. So when we start having this built into us, which is you know find that, find that 3%, find the reason why you haven't made it all the way find the reason you know find ways to measure up we start looking for measurement criteria now this is the part that differs person to person for a lot of people they're out to prove that they're not their father they're out to prove that they're not their mother or conversely they're out to prove that they actually are their father that they're worthy of stepping into their father's shoes or worthy to step into their mother's shoes um or uh, I know as well as not wanting to not be my father uh, for a large portion of my life uh, that drove me for a long time Um drove me nuts. I also had this middle child syndrome thing, this chip on my shoulder, log on my shoulder um, where I also felt that I was in competition with my older brother. To such an extent that like, he joined the cadets, I joined the army. Uh, He did a first diploma in public services. I had to go for the national diploma in public services. He did Duke of Edinburgh bronze. Well, you see where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) It's like anything. Yeah, sorry, I just had to cough, so I muted my mic. Oh, no worries. Um, So, yeah, anything he did, I had to one up him. I had to be more, I had to be better. Years later I kind of came to terms with it and I admitted to her. I was like, you know, I was like, do you know that I was um, competing with you the whole time? And he's like, no, I was just really proud of you for everything you did. Like he not only <laughs> well, not only was I in this competition, but he knew nothing about it. He wasn't even aware he was in a competition. Like that's that was the funny thing. He was simply living his life. And I was pushing myself to try and be better now one side of things you could say well that served me because it made me go for things that maybe i wouldn't have otherwise have gone for and that's true having that kind of that type of motivation can get people extremely successful when they're trying their best you know not to be a a poor parent or uh, as in a sorry a broke parent uh, or they're trying not to be a broke in a broke community they're fighting their way out of a broke Uh, community that could be a tremendous motivator and i'm not trying to demonize that in any way it can get you a long way the problem with it is that if you solely have that you are capped because at a certain point it's going to be inevitable that you find a trait in yourself or have the need to do something that your mind can draw an influence, a connection between that trait and the person you're trying not to be so it's it's the idea of oh i want to i want to sell my coaching you know to save people and and save lives but i don't want to be pushy well if if you're not selling your stuff to the very best of your ability then you're actually um robbing and crippling the person who you set out to help because that's based on your limitation, and your limitation is masquerading as this um, virtue of not wanting to be not wanting to be pushy. When in actuality, not that you should be pushy, but you definitely shouldn't have the limitation where you're double guessing yourself. Exactly. If you if you have a if you have the life vests and you can see people are drowning, you wouldn't say, "Oh, but." you know throwing things at people is what my father did so i don't want to throw this life vest at that person who's drowning it's like what just just give them the damn life vest just give them the product just give them the service do the thing you need to do to serve the people who you're serving don't make it about you um but yeah
0: that's ways to look at it as well
1: yeah right so and thank you so yeah, the, the idea of something to prove is absolutely massive. And I don't know if you could ever be truly free of it. I don't even know if you can be. Um, there's always – there's still an element in there. But, again, being aware of the problem is three-quarters of the answer. And being aware that it may come up, uh, for instance, you know, having – I, no, I, I remember, like, okay, so my two main uh, role model, male role models growing up, one of them went for the secure job um, in in the medical services. The other one decided to be an entrepreneur and build a business. And you might think this was a bit of a rich dad, poor dad type tale.
0: Yeah.
1: No, 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 no. This is a bloody poor dad, poor dad tale because <laughs> – because the one who went for the secure job ended up having someone, even though he spent a large portion, I mean, we're talking plus 30 years. I don't even know how, how long. Um, I mean, there are babies that he delivered as a paramedic that are now fully grown adults. Like, that's how long he has been in that position. And he has served and he has helped and he has saved the lives of, I cannot count the amount of people. Um and yet, some you know, you get the right person in the right place, or the wrong person in the wrong place, should I say? Um, that had it out for him, and you know, he ended up with uh, some issues. Which again, I won't go into detail because it's not my story to tell. He ended up with some problems. that He's just coming back from now. Yeah, you know, we. The other one um, decided to build a business, and for a large majority, it was doing very well. Unfortunately, business is business, and it speeds up, and he couldn't keep. Um, the speed of the market which is you know social media started erupting and then everyone could have a business and everyone could have a training company and everyone can do all kinds of stuff so he's he ended up with problems as well so there's me sat and i'm like well hold on a minute one thing's telling me that i need to go for stability the other one is telling me that i need to follow my dream and i can screw up with both (laughs) <laughs> like like, where do you go from there um and I kind of realized I was like you know what the only thing that I need to prove to either one of these is if I want security then I need to make it for myself and if I'm going to make that for myself and be an entrepreneur I need to adapt so it's a if you're going out to prove that you're not or to move away from you're moving towards an ideal, yes, but you're trying to move away from something that's that's potentially damaging, as you see it. Then that's fine, but just be sure you're taking the right lesson, because the wrong lesson to take in that situation when these two uh, these two figures is, you know, don't go for a secure job, and if you go for entrepreneurship, then you're probably going to be broke as well. Um, the right lesson, I believe, um, at this point in my journey, is. You know, if you want security, you have to create it for yourself. You can't rely on in a system where someone can take that away from you. Um, even though there's you know, it, various different ways that that could happen. Uh, people are just unlucky. Um, but also, if you're building a business, you have to be able to adapt. And that's what I took from that. So I, t- I, I invest in coaches. I invest in consultants. I, I build out my team. I'm, I'm building out my team right now. So, I have to be able to keep up with the trends of the market, and it's only getting faster.
0: That's excellent. See, I love the fact that you're actually moving towards that. Now, a bit of a weird transition out of that because I'm cognizant of the time that we both have to get going a little bit. I did want to ask you these questions, particularly because I know how much of a voracious reader you can be. (laughs) So, if you had to narrow it down, I used to say three but for you again I'm gonna put it at five. So let's go with five Uh, books. But here's here's the caveat. You got you gotta like Okay. So three of them have to be nonfiction.
1: Nonfiction books, got it.
0: Two of them have to either be fiction or movies. And the thing is that has to be movies and books that have impacted your life. What were they? Okay, so
1: we're going for Wait a minute, so three books?
0: Three books that are non fiction.
1: Nonfiction, and
0: then, and then you have two books, which can be either, it can be either two fictional books or two fictional or two movies.
1: Or movies. So nothing nonfiction, nothing personal development.
0: In those areas. Yeah. So like the nonfiction area is in the, in the books area. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, nonfiction. I'm a massive fan of Dean Coombs and Dan Brown. So anything like nonfiction, I love getting into that. And anyone who's interested in copywriting and uh, becoming more creative in their content, I absolutely 100% uh, recommend reading nonfiction. People get wrapped up in, you know, reading books like uh, the no BS marketing you know, no BS marketing to the affluent by Dan Kennedy, or uh, the ellipsis manual by Chase Hughes, or anything like that. And the right, there. right there, you go, great guy. Um, I haven't had the pleasure yet, to be honest, but his book is amazing. Yeah,
0: I've got back on as well. Um, because he's coming to London in January, he's actually staying at my place. Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna be recording the interview then with him. Oh,
1: fantastic! I'll, I'll make sure. Uh, send me a link to that, will you? So, yeah, so. Let's see. So I I like books with a bit of a thriller and the hero journey is always a big um, favourite of mine. So anything with the old Robert Langdon, uh, both movie and book, uh, although I hate what they did with Inferno, I think they ruined the movie Inferno. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I won't give any spoilers here, but if you read the book, don't watch the movie. Uh, As a movie, it's fine, it's good, um, but the yeah and it's, it's and this is not even a oh the book was better um this is the they better. they they ruined the book they completely ruined it they messed it up they turned what was supposed to be an amazing thriller with a very important point on social economics and um uh global population a really important talking point and actually the book finishes off with a great mentality towards it um a really interesting mentality at least um uh, and they turned it into a some kind of romantic comedy or something. I don't know. They they turned it into some sort of romance novel uh, in, in the movie, from what I saw, between that lady in the CDC and, and Robert Langdon. It's like, oh, it's oh, it's a, a, a love story now. I was like, no, what happened to the plague of death? Like, let's let's go back to that. Yeah. Um, let's see, Dean Coons, I think one of my all-time favorite books from him is Life Expectancy. Um, it's I. I, I, if anyone can, it. I think it got a little bit dull towards the end, but uh, in my opinion, but to, yeah, the first, the first half of it, I was just in absolute hysterics uh, all the way through. I, I like books that make me laugh and make me cry. Oh, brings out all the emotions. Um, let's see, other non-fiction books. I don't read a lot of non-fiction. Actually, I probably should read a bit more. Uh, but as for movies, what kind? Of, what kind of movies are you are you asking me of?
0: Can go for fiction, but uh, fictional movies here if you want. Like for, for me, like one of the best ones I've, one of the best movies I've actually seen that really influenced me was Limitless. Mm. With Bradley Cooper, I love that movie. Another one is the Godfather series, and the only reason I put the Godfather series together is because there's three of them, but I only like two of them, so it's its own thing.
1: But- oh yeah, the, the the strange the strange thing about very very highly intelligent people is that we're drawn to other intelligence. Um, even if it's a weird hol- um, Hollywood rendition of it. Um, it's the idea of, you know, all intelligent people are mean and, you know, we memorize stuff. Uh, <laughs> that's just not the case. We just think quickly. Um, but, yeah, things like Phenomenon, uh, I really like John Falter. Uh, it's an old movie, uh, an older movie. Uh, Good Will Hunting, I uh, love any kind of – any. I watch all of the House uh, series, House M.D., uh, with with Lori. great show, fantastic show. Um, so yeah, any kind of anything around intelligence, I've kind of been a little bit obsessed with. But my main, to be honest, my main thing is that I'm a massive uh, Marvel geek. Uh, so anything Marvel or DC, I am a massive comic geek. I don't. I, it's not like I, I have comic books. I just want to put that out there. I'm I'm not a nerd. I'm a geek. I don't have comic books. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have, I don't, I don't shop there like the Big Bang Theory. I don't sit in a comic book shop and flick through to find, you know, uh, you know, number Superman number two or the first show of Lex Luthor. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just making that up, but that's that's not me. But I do love. Um, more than the superior aspect of it, because I believe that every entrepreneur has a power. One of the things I help a lot of uh, uh, people who come to me with is to find their power, to find their superpower, uh, so they can stand out in the market and all the rest of it. But their power is only one tiny aspect. Like, if you watched, uh, I mean, X-Men, the X-Men movie proves this. If you watched a movie that's solely based on showing off powers with CGI, you get bored really quickly. Yep. Without a deeper story, without some level of tension, without something that the hero has to go through um, that's deep, and actually you can connect with it, it's it's just a lot of CGI. And after the first, like, wow, he can shoot laser beams out of his eyes. That's cool. Uh, he's got claws. Wow, that's awesome. But people get drawn to, I mean, Wolverine is one of the most famous, and, you know, Iron Man. Um, I'm still waiting for them to put a little bit more emphasis on Iron Man uh, Tony Stark's uh, alcoholism yeah,
0: because it went in... was great it was a great storyline
1: yeah 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 so he he went into they, they touched on the the hedonism and the fact that he was drunk half the time but they didn't really explain that he was addicted to it like he was, and, and like many um, like many people in fact this is a great little uh, uh, teaching point for anyone listening. That need for certainty can be found in alcohol, it can be found in drugs, it can be found in work. Um, But people tend, when they're in places of uncertainty, when things aren't quite going their way or aren't going as well as they would like, they tend to subconsciously push certainty. That's where they reach for the fridge and they or they reach for the cupboard and they get food or drink or uh whatever. But they try to push certainty in another area of their life. Um so the idea that Tony Stark would be this um CEO of this massive conglomerate business, but also have this inner demon, this inner shame and this like daddy issues of never being able to live up to his the legacy of his father. Like these are these are real time i could pull out a dozen uh, entrepreneurs and i guarantee at least half of them have some kind of parental issue uh unless they've worked on it um and at that point they probably still have it they just they're just aware of it and they can work around it and they can work through it uh like, but you can pull out a dozen entrepreneurs and most of them will have some level of addictive behavior Uh, You you mentioned something like that, which was burning the candle at both ends, needing to wait until the last minute. You're addicted to chaos, addicted to challenge, addicted to the need to prove your own intelligence, um, even though consciously you're very aware of your intelligence.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, And and people are like this because there's an emotional need there. There's an emotional need that the intelligence at this point um, is filling that void. But there's something deeper that needs to be dealt with, um, in my opinion. And this goes for, it's, it definitely has gone for me. I've, I've had to go through therapy. I've gone through depression twice um, for long periods of my life. In fact, I, I, I went through depression once when I was uh, in the army. And I remember sat on the steps of um, the regimental headquarters. And I was sat on the step and the captain, a captain came out to come see me because he, he knew I was there. And he was like, you know, Oi, Data, because that was my nickname. Uh, Oi, Data was in Data from Star Trek. Um, I was I was an IT geek as well. Um, it's like Data, what, what's up, man? And I, like, well, to be honest, I I don't quite know. I just I just feel sad. I feel a bit down. I feel sad. I, there's nothing really wrong. I'm checking all the boxes that someone should check to have a happy life. You know, I've got a stable job. I'm good at what I do, people like me, I have friends, you know, I shouldn't be feeling sad, but for some reason I am, and I don't know, I can't get to the bottom of it. Uh, now, he didn't have the psychological knowledge to see that for what it was, which is unfulfillment. I wasn't fulfilled, I was good at what I did, but it didn't fill me up on every level of my being. Uh, I wasn't doing what I was sup- supposed to be doing, now I'm not a believer in destiny, some people are, that's that's cool, whatever, whatever floats your boat, but I do believe that there probably that there is a truest version of you that the closer you get to it and the more you stick with that and allow that to flow and get, get out of your own way and allowing that to flow through you, through you um, the happier life becomes. And at that point in my life, I fell into depression. I went to the doctors and they said, oh, yeah, it's depression. I can recognize it's depression. It's the doctor. Uh, I can recognize it's depression, but um, honestly, you don't want that on your records. Because if you do, it'll really put your career back. So you can imagine how much I gave a shit at that point. Um, People in depression don't tend to care um, about anything. It's just a kind of hollow feeling. But I was like, okay, fine. So I had to then spend the next year finding my own way out of depression while I was in depression. Now, anyone who's ever had depression um, knows that your desire to do stuff is fairly low. Um, I don't know if you've ever been through that, idea.
0: Oh, entirely. Are you kidding me? Dude, I basically live on like the borderline between the two at times. Oh, fun fun little idea, and you'd love this. Have you seen the show Big Mouth?
1: No, no, I haven't.
0: Netflix. Big Mouth it's, uh, it's not for everyone it's a little raunchy it's about kids going through puberty but it's animated and really fucked up and funny um, but one of the things that's really really powerful is at the end of season 2 without giving any well fuck I don't give a shit if I give you spoilers it's still fucking worth it to go watch it they actually represent depression as a kitty like a giant purple cat that basically just sleeps on you and it's like I want to go outside it's like no stay in here it's nice and warm yeah just stay it's just here
1: it's fine yeah way
0: okay and it's
1: just like whispering they will kill you and that's what it is yeah well then and um, there's actually a bit of a, a uh, I've just quickly looked it up and I, I recognize it uh, from a bit of a not a conspiracy thing but a video I watched once which was the hidden meaning behind a lot of uh, cartoons that that people have different theories on um, you know but to that. I will I will um but there's a few of them out there, but things like Rugrats and um, uh, what was it? Uh, hey Arnold, you yeah, Hey Arnold is actually about the girl, and it's not about Arnold himself. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah there's there's one where the the all the kids are the recess. Recess is apparently with with uh, all the kids are dead. Um, that's why they're always on recess, and they're all from different time zones and time, time times. Yeah time periods right um anyway anyway that's got a bit dark um but yeah the the mentality of the reason why i've out depression is essentially is that i had to get to the source of of that while i was still in it because i knew that if i stayed there and the issue with um if i stayed there i'd be screwed because the issue with being unfulfilled or the issue with self-doubt tends to limit your action If you limit your action, you tend to be unfulfilled. If you're unfulfilled for a long period of time, uh, situations change and you start to feel anxious. If you feel anxious for a long period of time, you start to feel down about the results you're getting. Uh, You're in that fear fear response for too long. If you're in a fear response for too long, you start to go down and down and degenerate more and more and more. People say this in in a variety of ways, but it always comes out the same, uh, a version of spiraling out of control. And you do, you spiral downwards. And the mentality of what I do and what I thrive and what I strive to do is turn that spiral upside down to to give you a spiral upwards. Because, like I say, if you get to the root cause, if you find the problem, it's three quarters of the answer. And it's usually just one thing, one change, one configuration change that you just alter and everything just branches out in a positive way. And I've seen this time and time again with many friends that I've spoken to, with uh, obviously with clients, but with friends, with, pe- with people I work with, um, you change that one thing and they'll start saying like, I don't know what you did, but for some reason I'm showing up more, a lot more um, in, in my true self. I don't know, like, I don't even know what you did. It's, I, I asked them for testimonials. They're like, I don't know what to say because I don't know what you did. But for some reason, I'm a lot more confident and I'm not really worried so much because obviously I've done communication hypnosis, uh, communicative hypnosis, which means that they're fully awake. But I'm just seeding little things in their brain um, uh, to help them and to make them healthier and happier. Um, fi- you know, finding that root cause as fun, fast as I can. I'm seeding the right things in there so that rather than ne- this negative branch come out, a positive one. And it's like they say, like my relationship has improved. My relationships have improved. Friends, I'm I'm allowing more people into my life. I'm not intellectualizing all of my relationships. I'm actually being able to connect a lot more with people who aren't on my on my you know, wavelength on my intelligence level. I can connect with way more people now. And I'm happier doing it. I'm not judgmental. I'm not, I'm not judging others. I'm not uh, looking down on anyone. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And they'll give me this long list of things. And they'll be like, but I don't know how you did it. I don't know what you did. So I can't talk about it. <laughs> like, uh, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Just, just talk about the results. It's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with what I do being a mystery to people, but, um, It's actually fairly straightforward. Uh, It is all about finding that root, finding that center point, that one thing that holds you back, that one thing that's branching off in every direction that people tend not to get to because they're so busy doing patch-up work. They're so busy helping with the symptoms of a problem rather than getting to the root
0: cause. Out of time, my friend, but let's catch up again and get you on the show for later this season if you're open to it. Um, But man, you have dropped some incredible knowledge bombs here. Guys, go back and listen to this episode of the podcast. Um, Chris, any last minute shout outs you want to do before we head off, my friend? Uh,
1: Not that I'm aware of. I've got nothing, not selling anything uh, except this, you know, there's stuff on my uh, website which is being remodeled and rebuilt as we speak. Uh, So there'll be. Myhypnocoach.co.uk, my and yeah there'll be article by the time i've got it sorted there'll be articles there'll be videos there'll be on all aspects of human behavior consistency productivity uh confidence clarity can um, you know all the different areas um videos there articles there um links there i'm looking to um uh, contributing to quite large magazines these days. Uh, there's be speaking appearances, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, get yourself. Oh, and uh, there's also a free resource area where there's just loads of just free shit uh, that I just want to
0: give people and, and help them. Excellent stuff, guys. Go check it out. And as always, I will see you on the next episode.